We are facing an unprecedented crisis. The impact of the COVID-19 global pandemic on the global economy and the asset-based finance industry is only beginning to unfold. And so far, the unfolding has been both fluid and dynamic. The companies in our industry face numerous challenges, and many are using the constraints of social distancing to innovate and create. In these uncertain times, ABF Journal's coronavirus podcast series will provide real-time conversations with industry leaders about this evolving global event. Editor-in-Chief Rita Garwood spoke with Vince Belcastro, Group Head of Syndications at Element Fleet Management, and Chris Enbaum, CEO of AP Equipment Financing and Work Truck Direct, to discuss how the coronavirus is impacting the industry and their companies. Oh boy, well, uh, this is Chris Enbaum. Um, you know, this is all just literally unfolding, you know, almost as we speak. And um, I think, you know, the severity of this crisis um, was just starting to unfold uh, within the last 20, 48 hours. You know, the facts of the situation have changed dramatically. The stock market is, um, you know, way down. The liquidity issues in the market are starting to be apparent. Um, the government's had to intervene with all kinds of liquidity measures. Um, and I think that the reality of the situation <clears throat> to American citizens has really started to take hold, that this is, uh, you know, very severe and uh, it's impacting everybody's lives. And, uh, you know, you're already starting to see layoffs and, and things like that, um, you know, even from two days ago. So uh, I think that's the, you know, the background, obviously, from a general economic perspective. And, you know, I'm sitting here literally in lockdown, being enforced by law in the Bay Area, um, where, you know, we, we kind of, uh, I think we're, we have it pretty severe that uh, things are, are literally shut down and, except for essential businesses. Um, and I think you're going to see that uh, continue. In fact, probably all jurisdictions within the next few days, I think are going to be literally shut down by law. I think it's going to continue to get more severe because uh, there are certain areas where the, the hospitals are already starting to get overwhelmed and we have all kinds of you know issues with getting health care to uh, the people who happen to, to get severely you know, ill from this. And um, so, you know, that's the reality has changed very quickly. Um, you know, I'll take this as a two pronged approach. This is Vince Belcastro here. So, you know, uh, it's evident, certainly it's evident in the capital markets to belay um, Chris's uh, comments. The, you know, our, while the banks for the time being and then some of our trading partners that purchase our debt continue to remain open and they continue to fund transactions. I think that it's fair to say uh, a lot of institutions have imposed uh, floors um, and, and so forth on, on in regards to required returns. So basing, based on when those transactions were priced and with, certainly with, with a fixed rate, that certainly is um, something that's going to impact economics. And then secondly, you know, the concern becomes as, you know, quite frankly, for the smaller banks, as some of their clients draw down credit lines and hoard capital, as is happening all over the globe, uh, then that really does begin to dry up liquidity in the capital markets and how that affects loan trading and loan sales and lease sales is something that is anyone's guess. And then furthermore, look, it's, it's early in the game to, you know, exact thoughts, but you can see where 
the stress on local businesses, smaller local businesses beginning. And then quite frankly, the longer this goes on, the more we, that will be pronounced as, as collections sort of uh, take a, you know, are challenged. And, and then furthermore, it's, it's, it certainly will trickle up as uh, you know, larger companies are certainly taking measures, um, whether it's Big Auto, who's announced major cutbacks in production or possible stoppages, et cetera. You know, it's, we're only in the early games of feeling the full ramifications of this effect. Yeah, no, Vince, I think that's, that's exactly right. We're seeing the same things. Um, we started getting calls uh, a few days ago, uh, kind of the end of last week, uh, from, from our clients who are mostly small businesses requesting payment relief. What we find is that the companies who are earliest in requesting payment relief tend to be actually the most prepared uh, customers. I mean, we, we went through this in 09, 10, and, um, you know, so we generally will you know, within pretty broad parameters, uh, approve payment release, relief to, to pretty much anybody who has logic, you know, to, to uh, allow it at this point with cash flow. Um, and then generally we're kind of putting things into two categories. One is, you know, lower risk for long-term uh, default due to, um, you know, changes in long-term customer behavior. So for example, um, you know, people who are like plumbers or, you know, people that perform kind of essential services, we know that there's a higher likelihood that, you know, they're going to be back to more or less normal at some point. And then there's people who like restaurants and, and or other businesses that, um, you know, may or may not uh, be able to survive this because our thought is that uh, if you read a lot, uh, you know, like what's happening in Hong Kong, China right now, for example, who already has been through this, and then you start getting second waves of the virus, there's probably going to be longer term social uh, impacts from this um, and disruptions. And most people believe that this, uh, you know, once we get through the initial uh, kind of quarantine time, which will probably be at least two months is my guess. Um, after that, you'll probably have, um, you know, things kind of come back slowly, but you're going to have other pockets of this virus coming back it's uh, most people are going to get it, you know, within the next two years, they're just trying to slow it down because, um, but you know, you're going to have it continue to pop up. So there's long-term effects from all that. So we try to evaluate, you know, with, with the businesses, which ones are, you know, probably going to make it and which ones aren't in very general terms. Well, yeah, I certainly agree. Look, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's hard to find in the general New York City area and the metropolitan area, it's hard to find full service restaurants that are open. And that certainly impacts all their suppliers, uh, you know, whether it's food suppliers or hard goods suppliers or everything else. And the payment disruption certainly is extreme in those particular cases. But, you know, uh, you think about that even in regards to a flagging re retail industry, uh, you know, that's already under intense pressure from online retailing, that will continue to, you know, have, be made, uh, suffer major challenges and, and, and presumably uh, brick and mortar will be harder hit than even online. Uh, I, you know, in fact, mm -hmm. Amazon is obviously struggling to keep up with basic goods orders. They've announced uh, hiring another 100,000 people uh, which is all well and good, but it does impact brick and mortar all around even more. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And so, you know, things that we've done with our company already was we've, we've already started to ship some people uh, into collections and customer service. Um, we've already um, started to, to change up some of our sales staff into areas where there is actually created more demand. Um, we are in some areas that are actually experiencing huge demand, you know, kind of luckily. Um, and then other areas that are, you know, where the demand is really going to fall off the cliff for a while, you know, there's uh, kind of taking them off of that. And then, you know, you always have to look at, you know, your overall cost structure, you know, going forward. I mean, everybody who's been through this before, I mean, one of the mistakes we made last time around in that last recession was probably, you know, not uh, right-sizing costs, you know, quickly enough. There's definitely going to be a recession here. Um, and so, you know, it's just a question of making sure that you're, you're right-sizing correctly. Um, and hopefully we won't have to do too much, uh, but, uh, you know, you have to be very realistic about it. Um, there's going to be a lot of dislocation uh, of companies. I mean, there's companies that have the wrong mix of assets right now. And unfortunately, some of that's just bad luck. Um, you know, they're going to be under severe stress. And um, <clears throat> so we've already started, uh, we're working with a partner that we did in the last recession to put out the shingle to, to buy portfolios and assets and companies again, as we did um, 10 years ago. Um, so there's always opportunity. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it's the opportunity comes with, you know, there's going to be some uh, more losers than winners, unfortunately. These uh, the recessions never uh, are good overall. Yeah, I certainly agree with your comments, Chris. The, the question becomes, you know, uh, if you're going to be a buyer under these times of presumably distressed portfolios and in some cases assets, uh, the question is, will capital markets liquidity hold up to enable those trades unless you're cash rich? Uh, then, you know, there is presumably a situation where you wonder whether companies, cap, you know, ca capital providers, whether it's banks or funds or anyone else, and typically the trades you're talking about here get funded by non-bank solutions, uh, will they sort of uh, look at this and say, wait, time to pull back and, and, and watch the markets and settle in before we, you know, rush to, you know, invest in, 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 ca in, in capital opportunities where the discount factor may not have reached its peak yet. Yeah, no, I think, you know, there, there's going to be a couple of repricings here <laughs> and, you know, this will, this will play out over the next year uh, or more. Um, uh, if we look at the two, oh, 08, oh, 09, the market crashed, uh, in September of 08, um, we started buying assets about nine months later. Um, and, um, you know, by that time, the markets had fully kind of repriced, meaning that, you know, people knew, you know, kind of understood the value of the assets, uh, presumably. There was still not a lot of liquidity. Um, and I think, you know, that, that could happen here. Like you said, there's probably going to be a, uh, uh, you know, some, some liquidity issues, but, you know, this time at least people don't seem to be as levered as they were before. I mean, the last crash was caused partly by leverage. Uh, this crash is caused by a virus and regulations have kept um, leveraged pretty well under check. Um, most independent finance companies, you know, going into the last recession, we were seven to one levered. 
right now we're four to one levered. Um, and I think, you know, probably we'll go down to maybe three to one, uh, which is a very safe level. But, um, you know, they, I think that the, the leverage situation helps the liquidity situation for independents. There's just not as many independents left. So, you know, a lot of this is going to be trades between banks and then, and, but there are hedge fund and other pension assets out there that are willing to buy distressed assets. And so I'm sure there'll be buyers again within the next few months. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't disagree. I could think again, it's just a matter of have we priced in uh, the full spectrum of, of, of distressed yet? And, you know, and, and, you know, who knows it's, it's too early to tell and it's anyone's guess. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not the primary concern of most people. It's, you know, really, it's, you know, just getting through this, obviously. Um, you know, whether you're a finance, uh, own, running an fin independent finance company, whether you're working for uh, a company, whether you're running a bank, whether you're running any, a captive, you know, you, you're facing the same issues in different forms. <laughs> and, you know, the number one issue is trying to, assess, you know, where you're at, make sure that you can, um, you know, give, give work with customers who are willing to work with you, get them through this to the extent possible. Um, you know, part of this will be temporary and then there'll be the second part, which is the more permanent part. Um, and like you said, you know, assessing what the permanent risk is going to be and what parts of the economy are really going to be destroyed versus the ones that are just going to kind of come back. I mean, that's, that's the part that, is going to have to unfold over, you know, for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, well, it's hard. Look, you'd be hard pressed. The obvious is, look, consumer durables, I have to think in the short term, Chris, it's kind of hard to see how, you know, those markets sustain themselves, whether, whether it's autos or, or class, you know, the heavier, du heavier duty trucks. I mean, we already went through such a big replacement cycle over the last seven, eight years. Class A trucks were already starting to trend down. Um, so it's hard to imagine where, quite frankly, even if that capacity is absorbed by, um, even if that capacity is absorbed by uh, online retailers needing to make more deliveries and, and hiring more third-party truckers, uh, quite frankly, it's hard to see where, you know, companies really uh, sort of sign up for increased new truck demand. And as we've seen in the past, and this is probably a good point to sort of think about, you know, uh, managing cash flow do you know obviously companies will start to keep fleets on the road even longer and 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 you know uh, take advantage of the economics of, of keeping their payments lower so you know that exacerbates the whole finance scheme whether it's uh, trucks against moving uh, loans against moving assets leases against moving assets or other type of ancillary uh, stock that, you know, goes into delivering goods and services to some degree, uh, oil, low oil prices will, will certainly affect, um, potentially affect uh, the shipping industry. I mean, we, you know, we've left, we haven't talked about the effects of quite frankly, historically, you know, low oil prices and, and, and its effect on those industries that are heavily related to oil, whether it's, you know, uh, brown water shipping, mm -hmm. Uh, movement of movement of energy up and down our rivers, um, exports of Canadian energy. I mean, 
you know, Canada and the U.S. have agreed to mm -hmm. shut down, have shut down borders for only the most essential travel. I mean, that's significant. So the widespread effect of this is just so early to tell, um, you know, and, and it's so broad based. That's the difference with this one. And it's not to say that 2008 wasn't broad based, but that was really driven mostly by the financial markets. Uh, this is so much more broad based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's it's going to be pretty scary, and I think the, the government uh, is going to be play a bigger role, uh, not just a um, in stabilizing financial markets as they've been doing over the last few days, but also in uh, providing stimulus. Um, and, um, you know, I think they, honestly, I, I believe they actually made a mistake by lowering as much as they did because, um, <clears throat> lowering rates in a time where there's no demand doesn't do any, make any difference. Um, what they, what they needed was a fiscal response, which they're working on as we speak. But my guess is that, you know, this is just going to be the start. Um, you know, the government's have to going to have to take a very active role in trying to figure out how to prop up uh, businesses and, and people, uh, you know, over the next, uh, you know, six months or so to, to, to keep this from becoming even more of a disaster than, than it's, than it's looking to be. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's no, I agree with you. I think I don't disagree on the, on the rate situation because that has limited effect. Now, oddly enough, that's a situation where I, you know, quite frankly, over the last, three days, four days, even after the last rate cut announcement to near zero. Interestingly enough, the, the short-term rates and the long-term rates have, have sort of not come down as much as one would have expected. They're hovering in that mm -hmm. three-year average is ho hovering in that 60 basis point, uh, you know, sort of spread environment, which I find interesting. And I think conversations with most bankers and financial executives in our industry, see, you know, seem to point that to the fact that, you know, everyone seems to believe that it just hasn't caught up yet. Um, and so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens over the ensuing weeks and whether the, whether the rate economics, base rate economics actually hold up. And the same can be said about LIBOR. Um, so, you know, yeah. uh, all, all interesting parameters we should Yeah, the watch. last rate um, that really didn't change it. Yeah. 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 So, so um, which was the first time I've certainly witnessed that. And, and I think that safe to say we're all witnessing situations that we haven't seen. Um, even in 08, if you remember the 08, 09 crisis, as much as there was many pain points across asset values, uh, loan values, and, you know, and so forth and so on, what we really didn't witness is such a huge, you know, uh, decline in base rate in such a sh short period of time. Yeah, it's interesting because we're, uh, as an independent now, uh, our funding cost is, is much, much closer to banks than, than ever. Um, you know, banks are all kind of, had been scrambling for deposits. Now that may be changing as we speak as companies are starting to hoard cash. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's going to only like, you know, kind of go to the, the biggest banks, you know, because it's people like United Airlines who are drawing down, you know, billion dollar lines um, or if it's going to be small companies as well who are actually um, you know putting deposits into banks uh, my guess is that it's going to really help the, the bigger banks a lot more than the smaller ones but um, 
you know, it does have an impact on competitiveness in the market because we feel like we're as competitive with banks as we've, uh, we've, we've ever been in this particular environment, which, you know, to the extent that our liquidity continues, <laughs> you know, which, uh, which, which we'll see, you know, because we, we both have our own revolvers, things like that, but we, but then we also sell transactions into the market. So that gets to, you know, what's the market going to buy and your point at the beginning of this conversation in terms of like, yeah, people are still funding right now. We're actually selling portfolios as we speak, but um, you know, when is that, how long is that going to hold up uh, under what situations, what assets are going to be, uh, you know, kind of illiquid uh, in, in another month and which ones are you know, going to continue to trade. All that stuff is kind of unknown at this point. Yeah, I fully agree. And I, I think that once again, um, the situation in six months, three months, six, three months, six months, whatever handle you want to put on it, when it ultimately does begin to catch up, uh, quite frankly, it, it, you're hard pressed to figure out where this, this I, I think we're already there as far as recessions go, but default rates, let's focus on that for a minute. Default mm -hmm. rates will certainly, certainly you know, be significantly higher. And so the question is, upon, with default rates significantly higher and with these massive drawdowns by large companies uh, across their bank groups, does that cause a liquidity crunch where, quite frankly, it, it causes our, our, you know, trading partners who are buy our loans and leases and, and, and so forth and so on to either begin to shut down and, and or quite frankly, divert their attention to just funding their own clients versus buying wholesale paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, time will tell. Uh, and I'm, I, I look forward to actually listening to other podcasters on, on this, uh, on the, on the series to, to see what happens, uh, as we go forward. Cause, uh, you know, I'm sure things in another week will have a little bit of a different flavor or maybe a, a lot of a different flavor, but, um, yeah. you know, it's interesting times. Very interesting times. And in fact, even, you know, on that note, when, you know, focusing more on credit quality, I mean, a lot of the players that generally are go to, you know, double light, double B single B players, um, you know, they have to, and already are taking a much harder look at the balance sheets of the companies they're financing, mm -hmm. the assets they're buying, and the advance values. And, and look, that's, that's rightfully so. Those are the markets where the industry dependent, you have to be cautious in. Um, so, yeah. you know, does that begin to make trading out of those transactions even harder? And, and on the front uh -huh. side, you know, for the banks on the front side, look, the risk premium in pricing due to mm -hmm. outstanding commitments and outstanding, you know, transactions, uh, whether you're a bank financing clients that's got forward commitments or, you know, fleet companies that make a living financing fleets and, and, and people mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, uh, Caterpillar Financial and some of the folks and some of the captives that quite frankly, normally treat financing as a service to their clients you know, they really have to look at rates of, uh, across their tranches, their, their credit grade tranches, right? So you can see a scenario yeah, where despite the lower the premiums, rates, yeah. yeah, the risk premiums will have to go up, right? So, Yeah, I was talking to actually a hedge fund about this a couple of days ago, and, and 
you know, what our projection was that the really good credits, even with small companies and, and the, that are in industries that are continued to going to continue to do well. Um, and there's a few that will, you know, they, they will continue to trade at a very, you know, low margin, but because those are always going to be in high demand, everybody's going to look for quality assets, but anything that's not, you know, just a perfect asset in whatever size class you're talking about, those are going to get totally repriced. Like you said, all, all, the, all up and down the, the credit spectrum. Yeah. So that part, you know, it's, uh, it's going to get harder to do those tougher deals. It's going to be harder for those companies to get uh, uh, lending uh, or have, find people to lend to them. And the pricing is going to change, um, you know, so that, uh, and if you have portfolios that have those assets, you know, they're going to be a liquid pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, we haven't even, Chris, we haven't even touched on, again, too early to tell what the effect of this is on the securitization markets. For the active mm-hmm. issuers, you know, uh, hopefully those continue to remain viable sources of capital. Uh, that said, once again, what, what does the risk premium become on, on issuing securitizations um, in those yeah. markets? Because yeah. you have to envision a scenario where it just kind of gets more expensive, right? Oh yeah. And I think, you know, for now there's probably not much going on, you know, the next few months, I can't imagine anything's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, I think the markets are kind of you know going to be shut down for, for quite a while until the, we all figure out what the new normal is. Words of advice that you two have for the companies out there. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess my, my only two cents is, you know, read the news. I mean, read, read all the news uh, and make, you know, try to make uh, projections based on hard facts about, you know, there's already some, we've already been through this in other countries to a certain extent. We can see trends there. There's information out there about how to handle these types of crises. Um, you know, but it's, it's going to, I think the companies that are really forward thinking and really prepared and make really good as like valid assumptions you know, even if they're changing every day about what the future is going to be, are going to be the best prepared to um, get through the situation. I mean, people who put their head in the sand are, are, are dust, you know, they're, they're not going to make it. All right. Thanks so much, Chris and Vince. I appreciate your time. Um, And thanks to everybody listening. Bye. Thank you.